0: Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Sweet. So, as I said before, we, today marks the start of our vision and there, uh, over the next uh, couple of months, or this month in particular, we're looking at, um, we're looking at the, uh, vision for 2020 and beyond. Um, and that doesn't limit it to what, um, what I believe God is doing within this church, because we were also, a couple of weeks ago, we, we met as the leadership and, uh, we were journeying where God is taking us for the near and the far future. Um, so we have our mission, which is love God, love people. Um, and we've been exploring where God is taking us in the sense of where he, uh, our, our vision for the church, um, moving forward. And I'm really excited that, um, uh, Hopefully mid-May, we're going to have a special meeting. We're going to go through everything uh, that we discussed, um, not just on that day, because every all the discussions that were happening on those days uh, came from all the summits that we did at the back end of last year, which was a, co- a combination of all of you guys come together. So it's like we've all done it together, which is fantastic. I'm really excited because I, I, I like the um, the result of everything that's come out, and the leaders are the same. They love what's come out of it. So, um, is this working? Sweet. Beautiful. There we go. So, it's a little bit, might get the lights turned off here so they can uh, see that. So, um, kudos to, uh, AJ, um, for the artwork. You will see this artwork coming around and he's, he's seen this 2020 and beyond, which is absolutely phenomenal, uh, the artwork on it. But just before we get into it, um, today, I think what God has, uh, put on my heart and what, what he's journeying with is that a lot of, uh, churches, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but a lot of churches sit there and will go, let's have a vision for a year. Let's let's see where we're going for this year. Whereas what I find God uh, is placing on my heart is that I don't think he wants to work that way. I think he wants to make it as a foundational layer. So layers upon layers upon layers. So I'm hoping that the, the vision that we have for um, this year and beyond uh, is, is kind of like the next layer to where God wants us to start moving towards him more and more and more, um, not only in this church, but in the kingdom, um, in the community. And I'm excited about this message um, that God's laid on my heart because it's not just about uh, the vision, it's more about what is a vision. So that we can actually understand um, when they were projecting mission, uh, visions back in the Old Testament and the New Testament and then today, uh, to actually understand what are we doing? Why do we, why do we see visions? Why do people get blessed with visions for, for things that happen within the kingdom? And why do, why does God use people, uh, or, or express things through people, uh, in, in different ways? So can I pray? Uh, and then at the back end of this, uh, I'm just seeing where God's taking this because, um, as I said before, when we had the, um, ministry coordinators up on Friday, we had um our prayer time and God was taking me in a little bit of a rabbit warren uh there and I'm feeling that he wants me to kind of put that challenge out uh this morning it's a big challenge um but uh I think it might be relevant to the back end of as we go into this next season um as a church family so let me pray Lord I thank you for what you are doing amongst us Lord, I pray that we are willing and able to be able to see things, accept things, and step forward into things that you've laid out and that is your purpose for our lives. Lord, I pray that you give us the courage and the ability to be able to stand firm when things don't seem right, but the only thing that does seem right is you. Lord, I pray for your interception of our hearts so that we can be your light wherever we are, and I pray for this message. I pray that the words that I say is not of me, but of you, and Lord, I pray that the words that I say is what you want your children here to hear. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. All right, so we've got four weeks um, to journey what is a vision and what this vision is of um, 2020 and beyond. So today, we're journeying dreams and visions. It's biblical because um, within the Bible it says that um, old men or old people will dream dreams. Young men will see visions, yeah? And we'll explore that later on. But where it comes from here, what is a vision? What is a vision, all right? A vision is practically the faculty or the state of being able to see. That's in the English terms, yeah? And it's interesting when you look back into what the Bible says and when it's actually been... Uh, written, uh, and the authors that go in there, nothing when it says vision, there's nothing in it that says anything about how we actually see. They tend to sit there and the words that they use express sight, not vision. Whereas within the Bible, what it says is everything to do with the vision is practically seeing what is to come, or seeing what God has placed on their hearts in different areas in different ways. So the ability to be able to think about or plan the future with imagination, and this is I love this word, or wisdom. So a vision is the ability to be able to think, uh, be, be able to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. I think I yep, here we go. So Joel, so in Joel it says this. Then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Visions don't come from our own abilities, yeah? He will pour out his spirit upon all people. On your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. This is the verse that I was um, referring to before. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in heavens and on earth. The reason why I wanted to earmark this verse, which is in Joel, which is the Old Testament, and it's re-reconfirmed in Acts when they're starting up the churches. Yeah? It's reconfirmed in Acts. Uh, Luke reconfirms that early on in Acts. I think it's Acts 2.17 from memory. Uh, 2. Yeah, 2.17 to 19. That's a pretty good memory for me. But anyway, um, so the reason why he, they continually keep on um, saying this is that what God is trying to say is that you, what I'm trying to lay on your spirit, I'm speaking to your spirit now. It's not speaking to your human abilities. I'm speaking to your spirit because I want to do wonders through you. Will you allow me? Will you allow me, with all your inequities, will you allow me to push through you and touch the people that you come into contact with? Will you come on that journey? There's that word again that continually keeps on coming up to me is that invitation. Will you take that invitation? Because I will not be able to come in contact or relate to the people that you come in contact with. You will not be able to relate to a lot of the people that come in contact with the person sitting right beside you. The same way you can. Because God has purposed you in the area that you are in to be able to influence the people that you are in contact with, yeah? This is the Hebrew word for vision. Very, very uh, interesting. Very short, very interesting. And the way you pronounce this is chasden, translated in vision. And chasden practically means all visions are from God. This vision is from God in all different translations, chasden. In Hebrew, uh, in Greek, sorry, it's horama, horama, which practically means the same, but you take it off uh, the table in that, and this is the New Testament context of vision, and it is for us to be able to see our abilities not so much through what we can do but what God can do through us. Interesting, yeah? A little bit interesting. My first vision experience, this is when Holly was baptised, on the day of Holly's baptism. Um, leading up to it, I had a bit, of a, um, uh, a bit of a journey myself because I was only agreeing to be baptised that day because, um, because Holly was getting baptised and I was being more of a, um, a, a sheep follower and I remember somebody coming alongside me saying, is God actually calling you to be baptised today? And I ended up pulling the pin off that day and Holly ended up being baptised that day. But later on that day, I ended up giving my life. But before any of this started happening, after Holly was baptised, the elders took us in um, to the cottage and they prayed for us. And during that time, one of the elders turned around and said that they just saw a vision of, of myself and Holly and that we were... Wells, bubbling springs that people will come to to um, seek refuge or to, to, to get water from. And I didn't understand that. Me being a uh, a 20-year-old 20, 20, 20 hearing this coming from me going, yeah, I don't understand that. I don't see that. And for a, a very many years after that, it always stuck in my head that I was sitting there going, do I have to live up to this expectation? Because this vision has been said over my life, do I have to live up to this expectation? But it's not only been until recently, um, when I say recently, over the last couple of years, that I've actually been seeing that. And that bubbling spring is not because of my own abilities. I don't have to live up to that expectation. It's I need to allow God to move through me. I need to allow God, the living water, to be able to move through me for that to actually happen. And has it come to fruition? I'm not too sure. It's a, it's, it's part of my, um, my accent my approach to life. So you guys can answer that. But in the back end of that, the thing is is that people get visions from God for certain things, whether it be for an individual, whether it be for a direction of life, or whether it even be for the kingdom purpose, and maybe seem crazy like nothing else. Like that was crazy to a 20-year-old sitting there saying, you are going to be a bubbling, or for both me and Holly, um, you are going to be... A bubbling spring that people will come to drink from. Crazy. But yet God had different plans. Until I actually realized that. God uses, God uses dreams and visions. And just so that you can see, the visions in the Bible is called walking dreams. You can see that in Numbers 24 to 4, uh, 24, 4. Several times in the Bible to communicate with people, so God uses dreams, visions, to communicate with people. Several times within the Bible, visions seem to have been common enough that they were uh, that they lack sorely noted. So a lot of people did not see the, the relevance to the um, to the vision that was actually being said over a lot of prophecies were done during the times where a lot of people were were speaking about the visions that they were seeing in absences of um of visions were due to the times of de- um of the absence sorry an absence of the visions was due to the times of the deaths of the prophets you find that in first uh, samuel 3:1 and other times um due to disobedience of God's people people didn't want to hear what God had to say In a lot of times, and I'm going to reflect on this at the back end of this, a lot of visions leading up to, uh, happened leading up to the the Israelites being uh, freed from the Egyptians, yeah? But there was hardly any visions leading up to or going through the 40 um, years in the desert until the back end of it, until people started sitting there going, I surrender my own abilities or my thoughts in this process. dreams are an important part of many biblical stories they offer insight and foresight into the favoured discussions or actions that should be made that make up the Old Testament many dreams included visions of divine symbols or the Lord himself sharing wisdom that changes the course of history some dreams present a clear example of what could go wrong if the way of god is abandoned through the course of the bible the old testament and the new testament there was dreams of positivity and dreams of if you don't follow what god is going to do or what he's placing in your life and you consciously turn your back then this is what the result's going to be God uses visions in the Old Testament to reveal his plan, to further his plan or to put his people in places of influence. Do you believe that you have been placed, because you're his people, do you believe that you have individually been placed by God to be a person of influence? We'll go through that later on. Throughout the whole Old Testament, there is several different... um, Bible heroes, as I like to call them, influential people. You've got Abraham in Genesis 15.1. It says, God used a vision to re- reinstate the covenant, reminding Abram that he would have a son and be a father of many nations. He said this before, like before Abraham was even a father. And he was told that he would never bear children. But yet God turned around and said, you will be a father of many nations. Hard to hear, difficult to hear when you're going through a personal journey. Another instance in the Old Testament. The Amalekites and the Medianites, this is in Judges uh, 7, uh, 12 to 15. Uh, uh, This is during that time. So the pagan enemies of Israel had a divinely inspired dream. God told Gideon to sneak into the enemy camp at night and there in the outpost of the camp, Gideon overheard an enemy soldier relay, relay a dream that he had just had. The interpretation from another enemy soldier mentioned Gideon by name and predicted that the Israel, uh, the Israel would win the battle that was upcoming. Gideon was greatly encouraged by this revelation. God inspired him. To be where he was to hear what God was placing in the path of not just Gideon himself, but the whole army. That changed the course of history. Solomon, it was in a dream that God gave Solomon that the famous offer, ask what you wish me to give you. Solomon chose wisdom. In the New Testament, dreams and visions. Visions in the New Testament also served to provide information that was unable or unavailable elsewhere. Specifically, God used visions and dreams to identify Jesus and to establish his church. Zacharias. Zacharias was the father of John the Baptist. Yep, God used the vision to tell Zacharias, an old priest, that he would soon have an important son. It was in that vision that he said, you are going to have an important son and this is who you're going to name. This son of yours. Not long after Zacharias and his wife, Elizabeth, had John the Baptist. Joseph, Mary and Joseph, yeah? Joseph would have divorced Mary when he found out that she was pregnant. But God sent an angel to him in a dream. Convincing him that the pregnancy was of God. Joseph went ahead with the marriage. After Jesus was born, God sent two more dreams. One to tell Joseph to take his family out of Egypt so that Herod could not kill Jesus. And another to tell him that Herod was dead and that he could return home. Three visions for Joseph. Ananias. In Acts, Ananias, it would have taken nothing less than a vision from God to convince Ananias, a Christian in Demarchus, to visit Paul. If you remember what Paul was before he was actually Paul, being Saul. The persecutor of Christians, because Ananias was obedient to God's leading, Paul regained his sight and found the truth about those that he was trying to kill. Cornelius, God spoke to an Italian centurion named Cornelius who feared the God of the Jews. In his vision, Cornelius saw an angel who told him where to find Simon Peter and send for him to listen to his message. Cornelius obeyed the vision. Peter came and preached. And Cornelius and his household, full of Gentiles back in the day, were saved by the grace of God just because he was obedient. didn't seem right, and there's a whole sermon in that itself. And lastly, Peter. While Peter was praying on the rooftop of a house in Jippo, God gave him a vision of animals lowering in something like a sheet. A voice from heaven told Peter to kill the animals, some of which were unclean, and eat them. This vision served to show that Christians are not bound by kosher law and that God had pronounced Gentiles clean. Very pivotal. In this this vision it also says that, that now heaven, that heaven is open to all who follow Jesus. So without further ado, and I think I've said this a couple of times already this year, our vision for 2020 and beyond is less of me or less of us and more of you in our every day. There's no use in making less of me and more of God in just doing ministry or just doing church on a Sunday. It has to be in our every day because if we raise him up more and less our abilities or our faults or our ambitions, God will shine further through our lives in everything that we do. Less of me and more of you in our every day. One of the most powerful prayers that you can ever praise, God, not my will, but let your will be done. Now, be careful when you pray this prayer because God will show up and if you say it genuinely in your heart, That let God's will be done. That doesn't just mean when things are all sunshine and raindrops. Sometimes it doesn't equal up with our own ambitions or where we think our life's going. But God has a different plan. God wants to take us on a different journey. And when we say, God, not my will, but let your will be done, That's actually letting go of control and saying, all right, God, what do you have for me? Where do you want me to be? I may not like it, but I'm going to be obedient. In Luke 22, 42, it says, Father, if you are willing, this is Jesus saying this, this is where all this comes from. Jesus says this, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is noticing what he's about to go through because he knows exactly what he's about to go through. And he's pleading to his father, I don't want to go through this because it's going to cause pain. It's going to cause discomfort. And it's not what I want. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Very, very hard to, to grasp that because sometimes it seems unfair. In John three thirty, it says, He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. This is John the Baptist talking. John turns around and he says, There is one yet to come that I am not worthy enough to tie his sandals. He turns around and he goes, I am only a messenger for the greatness that is going to come. Talking about Jesus. And then he says to his followers, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. I believe that God has sent us as messengers to His kingdom in 2020 and beyond. Doesn't matter what we've done in the past. I believe if we completely open up to what God is doing in our hearts and be present to what the Spirit wants us to do, we can be an effective messenger for the kingdom. But the issue is, is are we going to be that effective messenger in our ability or are we going to actually allow God to move through us? He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. What does that look like for you? In another version. And, uh, since I've been preaching, um, you would have been seeing that I've been trying to get a few different versions, a few different words, because I think words are very, very powerful. And there might be a reason for me to have a different, uh, a few different Bible verses here, because it, something may stand out. And if there is a word that stands out to you, grasp hold of that, because I believe that's what God is wanting you to hear. What He's wanting you to take out of this. Yeah? So in another ver- in another version, it says this. This is John 3 again. This is 29 to 30. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Where do you see your joy? Is your joy in the things that you do? Or is your joy in the Lord himself? Because for this to happen, he must increase, but first, I must decrease. Powerful words. Next one. This is one of the ones that I love, but the last one is the one that I absolutely love. Same verse, different version. And because of his words, this is John the Baptist still talking about Jesus. Because of his words, my joy is complete and overflows. Is your joy overflowing in you so that people can actually see this? Are you leaking Jesus, as as one of the preachers here last year said? Are you leaking Jesus because of the joy that you are experiencing within this abundant life? Or have you not opened up this abundant life that is promised to us? Are we just sitting there living day by day, means by means, getting through each day, or are we stepping into what God has actually got for us? Because of his words, my joy is complete and overflows. So it is necessary for him to increase and for me, powerful word, diminish. My ambitions are no longer prevalent in my life. doesn't mean that God, I'm not saying that this is um, not possible, but it doesn't mean that God's going to uproot you and go, this is where I want you to go. does happen in some circumstances. But are you willing to actually open that up and say, God, not my will, but your will be done? Last one, and this is the one that I absolutely love. This is the message version. Ready? If it flicks over. That is why my cup is running over. This is the assigned moment for him to move into the centre. John the Baptist talking about Jesus. If Jesus is moving into the center of my life, yeah, he's not on the sidelines anymore. And you can see here it says, "While slipping off to the sideline." If Jesus is in the center of my life, he's smack bang in the front of me. Who do you think that people are going to see when I'm walking down the street? Not me. If he's in the center of my life and I'm off to the sidelines, then I am leaking Jesus in everything that I do, in every day that I am, in every moment that I come into. It, it depends on how I approach and how I react to things, is how we are going to be seen. To finish off this one, it says, the one who comes from above is head and shoulders over the messages from God. We are the messengers. The earth-born is earth-bound and speaks earth language. That's us. The heaven-born is in the league of his own. Now, I'm a sports person, so this spoke like nothing else to me. We cannot live up to what Jesus did, but we can model our life and allow God to move through us like Jesus did. He sets out the evidence of what he saw and heard in heaven. No one wants to deal with these facts. But anyone who examines this evidence, that's us, we need to examine these evidence, will come to stake his life on this, that God himself is the truth. So what do we do with this church? How do we actually put this into action? And this is where I said I might go into a little bit of a rabbit hole, so I'm going to go into this rabbit hole. The reason why I'm going to go into this rabbit hole... Is because I think it speaks wonders. In the book of Joshua, a lot of people don't know this. In the book of Joshua, Joshua was the military leader that led into the uh the Jericho, into the promised land, and everything like that. But before they got to Jericho, and before the wondrous things happened with the walls coming down at Jericho, they had to cross the Jordan. Yeah? This was after 40 years of apparently God being silent. But I don't believe God was silent. Forty years in the desert. It came to a moment where they're right at the other side of the Jordan. Yeah? Two thousand warriors. Or soldiers, as it says. So I'm going to read a little bit. And then there's one little verse that I want to point out. And that's going to be the challenge. Yeah? This morning. Leading into next week. And then the week after and the week after and then beyond. All right. After three days, leaders went through the camp and gave out orders to the people. When you see the covenant chest of God, now this is the Ark of the Covenant that had the, um, the Ten Commandments in it, and they lifted it up. When you see the covenant chest of God, your God created by the Leviticus priests, start moving. Follow it. The presence of God, follow it. When you see it moving, follow it. Don't just stand and watch it. Follow it. Make sure you keep a proper distance between you and it. Now, I'm going to make sure I don't go down the rabbit hole that's off to the side because there is a sermon in this like nothing else. But then, what ended up happening is that and I'll come back to this in a second, what ended up happening is that God turned around to, um, to Joshua and he said, make sure that you gather 12 people. And when the, feet, the, this was, the, the Jordan River was massive and it was, um, it was during harvest time, so the banks of the river, and it says this in several versions, the banks of the river were overflowing. Yeah? So it was nearly impossible to get people across. But God said... As soon as your feet touch the water, or as soon as the feet of the, the people who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant touches the water, the water will spread and the ground will become dry for you to cross. But first you need to put your feet in the water for that to happen. It's not a matter of waiting for it to happen. As soon as you see God move, you step forward and God will do the rest. Get that message? At the back end of this, I've just got to see where we're going. When the soles of the feet of the priest carrying the chest of God, master of all earth, touched the Jordan's water, the flow of the water began to stop. The water coming from upstream will pile up in a heap. Now that's what was said that was going to happen. Now listen to what happened. And that's what happened. The people left their tents and crossed, uh, to cross the, um, the Jordan, led by the priests carrying the chest of the covenant. When the priests got to the Jordan and their feet touched the water edge, now it reminds us again, this is the second time it reminds us, the Jordan overflows its banks through the harvest, and the flow of the water cannot be stopped by anything. Yeah? The flow of the water was stopped, but not only just stopped, it piled up in a heap a long way off. Now, I love this bit. It says here, the river went dry all the way down to the Salt Sea, and the people crossed facing Jericho. You know your challenge that you've got, but yet we need to actually step into what God has us first, our training camp and allow God to start moving before we face that challenge that's up ahead of us. And the people crossed facing Jericho. And there they stood, those priests carrying the chest of the covenant, stood firmly planted on dry ground. Now tell me, how can a river that's just gone like this, that has been there for years and years, have dry ground? In the middle of the Jordan where the Israelites crossed on dry ground, finally the whole nation, the whole nation of God's people was across the Jordan and not one foot was wet. Not one foot was wet. Now I'm going to get the worship team to come up and this is where the challenge comes in. Before all of this happened, before all of this happened, God told... Joshua to address his people with one thing before any of this happened. And it's this one thing. That if you take anything away from today, this is what I want you to take away. Yeah? Then Joshua addressed his people Sanctify yourself. Tomorrow God will tomorrow God will work miracle wonders among you. Tomorrow is coming. Sanctify yourself. In another version it says, purify yourself. What is holding you back from allowing God to move through you tomorrow? Tomorrow is coming. And God wants to do miraculous miracles through you, among you, among us. What is stopping us as a church from moving into what God has already placed in front of us? What is stopping you individually? Moving among your family moving among your friends, moving among your work colleagues because God wants to do miraculous wonders among us. But the pivotal point is, have we sanctified ourselves? Have we put aside our inequities? Have we put aside our inabilities? Have we put aside our things that may have been in our past that is stopping us from actually stepping forward? Yeah, we may see the, the walls of Jericho and we know that miraculous things are about to happen, but are we willing enough to turn around and say, all right, I need to work on this before I step into this Jordan and then the Jordan's just going to explode and I'm going to walk through on dry ground to be able to see where God wants me next. That's the challenge this morning as we move into it. Less of me, more of him in now, every day. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you once we are willing to do what you've already placed in front of us, that you don't just stand on the sidelines, that you activate and explode like a bomb that's ready to go off. Lord, I pray that that is the case right now. Lord, I pray that when we ready our hearts to be able to see more of you in our everyday, that we lessen our own abilities, lessen our own inequities, lessen our own ambitions, and we start moving more and more into where you want us to be. I know that sometimes it may be hard for us to hear, but Lord, I pray that you put those hard things to the surface. But Lord, I also pray that you surround us with people that are going to allow us to process and move forward. Less of us, more of you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www c of c penrith. dot org, www. c of c penrith.